Hey there, sorcerers. I just wanted to jump in here real quick and tell you this episode comes all the way back from mid-September. It's a lightning round episode, and we always like those, but things have changed a little bit since then. We talk about coronavirus. We talk about stuff that happened before the election. We talk about Sean Connery being James Bond. That's It's all very strange. But uh, it is another time travel episode, so bear with us. And we love you and enjoy question mark. And welcome to Be Dead Source, your home for you know quick stuff, I guess. I'm Nathan, your <laughs> speediest host. Great job. I'm Andy, your most deliberate host. And I'm Pat, your anti-mob rule host. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, how is everybody doing? Good. It's been a pretty good week. Been really busy with work and stuff. I'm sure. So, has every week for you basically been, like, Christmas, more or less? Like, in terms of the volume that you've been delivering? Almost double Christmas. Whoa. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I remember in the past, like, you, when you would come to our various uh, and sundry D&D sessions, <laughs> for most of the year, you'd be pretty happy-go-lucky for maybe nine or ten months of the year. And then I remember several times you having a look on your face that made me think that you wanted to kill yourself <laughs> as uh, <laughs> the holiday season approached. And it seems to me like that's like every day for you now. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of shit, but I also am getting a little bit of extra pay, and I've cut my days. So instead of five yeah. days, I'm doing three, and I've been doing that for about a year now. It still sucks. I still work like eleven-hour days, and if you if you count my commute back and forth, it's more like twelve or. 12 and a half hour days. <laughs> we no, you don't you, lose we time. We you a different apartment or a different job at some point. Well, you know, I mean, I would love to be a professional podcast host slash Twitch streamer, question mark? There you go. I think if every one of our regular listeners goes onto our Patreon and uh, gives us $500 a month, <laughs> we could achieve that goal right now. <laughs> Yeah, Both but of if, our you're, listeners. if you're in tough economic times, that's that's only our billionaire listeners. If you're in tough economic yeah. times, you know, don't worry about it as much. Yeah, I mean, like I, 300 will be fine. Jeff, I know you're listening. <laughs> you just go ahead and drop a cool 10K on us every month. That's like that's easy for you. That's like, uh, uh, wait, hold on. Let me tell you how long it takes Jeff to get 10K. Uh, start now. Oh, done. Done. Oh. Oh, all right. We just did it. <laughs> Wait, Jeff, or, or do you mean Quinn Malcolm? Uh, that is not... Why do you keep using references because, that absolutely no one would get? <laughs> because it amuses me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great so, job. listeners, uh, Quinn Malcolm is a character in one of our roleplay games that we're playing that Nathan is DMing. And he is a Jeff Bezos stand-in, so that Nathan has a chance to bash Jeff Bezos at every opportunity in his life. 
whenever he that, can. That is what you say. I have never said. I've never said that he's you never Jeff had Bezos to. Standard. Never. <laughs> but you did say that his employees aren't allowed to use the bathroom. That is that is true. It's it's possible that I got inspiration from one particular CEO anyway, or another. Uh, my week's been okay. You know, it's weird. It, well, twenty twenty is just crazy. But like, with everything that's going on in the world, it feels like my day to day is extremely mundane and, and monotonous and repetitive. You know, like, the world is burning down, but I just kind of, like, keep trudging off to work and coming back home and having a piece of yeah. chicken. And, like, I don't... Like, it, it's it very... It, it, it does not feel in my life as though the world is falling apart. And then, you know, you flip on the news, and there's absolutely nothing good to report in this world anymore. This is a really depressing episode, I feel yeah, like. We're off yeah. to a great start, guys. <laughs> hey, yeah. it's a good bounce back Nathan, from Syria. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. you had the best week ever. Uh, um, Did you have a, just like well, a fantastic week? <laughs> Brighten my day. Um, really, really good stuff that's happened to me this week. Uh, well, all right, so this was going to be my precious moment, maybe, but I have talked about our garden. From time to time. And one thing that we do every year is we try and grow tomatoes and we very <laughs> successfully grow basil. And we, uh, we once again had our tomato harvest uh, was better than it's been in years in that uh, off of, I think, five different plants that grew to be like waist height on me. I think we grew like a dozen cherry tomatoes. That's depressing. It's not good. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. We're going to have to, like, do some research next year. I'm sure I can... Ours in... keep getting eaten by deer. They they leave our tomatoes alone. They just eat our flowers. But the, the thing that was cool is every year uh, our basil grows like crazy, and we just forget about it, and we don't harvest it, and then the winter snap hits, and it's done, and we can't harvest it anymore. Did, did you we look did... into uh, soil pH or uh, nitrogen levels? Because... Clearly not. Like, tomatoes in particular <laughs> are very sensitive to nitrogen levels. No, I just... I grow them in garbage dirt, and well, clearly so... it's not working, so... I'm gonna figure <laughs> something out, out. out for next year. There's an episode of The Simpsons, I may have even mentioned it in the past, where uh, it's Flanders' parents... They're both these hippies, and they've gone to a psychiatrist because uh, Ned is, like, out of control. And uh, I think their exact quote is, like, now You don't believe in rules, yet you want to control Ned's anger. Yeah, you've got to help us, Doc. We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> I thought you were going to go That's, to tomato. Uh No, I have tried nothing with my tomatoes, and I'm all out of ideas. So sure. I just need to go do some research. But... We harvested a bunch of our basil, and Sarah made some absolutely phenomenal pesto. Yum. So I did some some chicken tonight, um, and uh, we did that pesto and some green beans and stuff. And that's, I mean, that's as close to good news as I have. Sure. No, uh, basil is a wonderful herb, but it really has only two real uses, pesto and... Like the, what do you call it, margarita salad or whatever with tomatoes and mozzarella cheese. Yeah, you're talking about caprese salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caprese. Um, so it's uh, a slice of tomato, slice of mozzarella, basil, and a little bit of balsamic. 
Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of salt, uh, a little bit of olive oil. It's fantastic. What I like to do super is simple. use cherry tomatoes, and you can get the small balls of mozzarella, and that makes a delightful salad. Yep. With- and uh, it's also good just like you, you pulse it in a food processor, chop it up really fine, and throw it in with uh, marinara sauce. And Sure. I'm sure. So here's the thing. Because I'm sure there's going to be people listening to this that are like, you idiots, you can also do this and this. Like, <laughs> I'm sure there are other uses for basil. I just haven't done enough research into it. And I've only been growing it in my garden for like 10 years. So <laughs> give me a little bit of time. Yeah. All right? Chicken well, Tonight is uh, also an ad campaign from the early 90s for, I guess it's like <laughs> some kind of sauce that you pour on chicken. It looks It looks exactly like spaghetti sauce. Ragu introduces Chicken Tonight Simmer Sauces, and suddenly everybody's saying, Choose from four new sauces. Each one's made with real vegetables and herbs, so you can make dishes like country French chicken and chicken cacciatore. Just brown the chicken, simmer, and serve. New Chicken Tonight Simmer Sauces from Ragu. Chicken Tonight. <laughs> there, oh, that's hey! I I am still interested. <laughs> that was me, wasn't uh, it? Speaking... But anyway, okay. No, it was uh, Nathan said he was making chicken tonight. Mm. It just like it sparked, er, like you know, thirty year old memories yeah. of watching TV in the early nineties. The associations we well, have in our brains. Speaking of giving me a little bit of time, we're going to be giving each other a very little bit of time because. It's time for another lightning round, guys. Ooh, boy. I, I do enjoy these. I believe I won the dice roll on the last episode, but we did it before we started recording last time, and that's just not good radio. No. Yeah, because this, so, this is extra drama. So, oh, my God. So, Pat, we're going to roll two, two six-sided die, and uh, the high roll, I guess, gets to be first, and we'll go in order of, like, you know, highest roll, second highest, and third highest. How about sure. that? I was going to um, say highest, high lowest, end. then middle, but I guess your way makes sense, too. I don't know. Anybody object to me being <laughs> timekeeper? Because I did an awful job at it last time. But I loved it. It was great. I think, I think well, it enhanced the experience. kept on talking over you, you would say your time's up, and then Andy and I would keep on talking for another ten minutes. That's, it was so, not that bad. I forgive you for, for say. picking up that strategy, because that's a common strategy in presidential debates. As you get your point across, you keep talking over the moderator. Here's what I'm going to say as the editor of the podcast, just to give you guys a heads up. Nobody talks past seven minutes. As soon as you say time's up, time is up. And if you keep talking past it, I will cut it out of the episode. Excellent. So you can keep talking if you want. But nothing will be on the episode past seven minutes. Well, I also forgot. I also forgot several times last time. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's nothing I can yeah. do about it. Well, now that. I'm definitely going to keep talking after time's up. <laughs> That's fine. You'll just be you'll the the thing is you'll just be wasting our time as opposed to the time of the people listening. Exactly. To All right, one, two, three, roll. Okay. Oh. All right, I have a six. I have a four. I have a five. Four, Woo! Five, six, oh wow, six won it. All right. All right. We generally role play once a week. And I have stopped using, like, actual dice since the whole pandemic started. I just... Oh, yeah. Literally, if you go to Google and you type in dice roller, it'll pull it up right there for you. It's great. Dice roller. Yep. Every time. Well, and and I kind of started using that 
with my Star Wars game because you can pull up whatever die you need to, and you. It certainly you, is for uh, me. This is going to be boring for the listeners. <laughs> no, I'm, right. no, keep going. <laughs> there's there's an important concept in radio about respecting <laughs> the audience's time, like. If you want to make a point, like, definitely go for it, but it's, like, you know, don't allow dead air mostly. But if you keep it if you keep it rolling, you can definitely get your point across. Yeah, and we have a long history of razzing each other on the podcast. <laughs> Although, I do know that, like, sometimes it can go too far. Like, some of the most frustrating and aggravating people in the world are the people who are like, bro, can't you just take a joke? Like, I... <laughs> and I'm afraid I like cross that line sometimes. It is not my intention to. Yeah. Um. Star Wars role playing game. Oh, or I, or I was going to not make story. the point, but that's fine. I created this role playing game based around Star Wars, and it uses uh, all sorts of different die: four, six, eight, ten, and twelve sided die. And so the nice thing about and, and multiples of each, you might have two, three, or even four of of one of those types of die. And so for Anybody, you don't have to have a big collection of die to play it if you use the <laughs> dice roller. I believe... On Google. Let's do it. Great, okay, okay, lightning round time. All right, so the first topic. All right, so my topic is Julian Assange is still in jail. So he spent seven years in an Ecuadorian embassy. Now for two years, he's been under arrest and awaiting extradition. 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 You've, you've done that in a different Extra- episode, too. Extradition <laughs> hearings... Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah, all right. Well, because it's extra. Yes, it's extradite extradition. versus extradition. Right. Anyway. But he's been basically waiting on trial for two years, but he's been essentially held without due process for that entire amount of time. You have, in America at least, he's being held in the UK, but in America you have the right to a speedy trial. So... Your due process is denied if they're just holding you without charges indefinitely. And I'm just going to start the timer now. So there's a big problem with him having been arrested in the first place because the thing that he did is what all journalists do. It's acquire information and protect your sources. This same classified information that was published on WikiLeaks was also published in, you know, the New York Times the Gazette, the Post, you know, all over, there are multitude of press sources that all publish the same exact information that Assange did. So they needed to find, like, a specific charge in order to make that into a crime, because normally they're protected by the freedom of press. So there's this sort of, like, cobbled-together story about how he helped Chelsea Manning into breaking into uh, secret files, like uh, classified files on U.S. servers, which, I mean, may or may not be true, but it seems to be completely trumped up charges anyways. The real uh, reason that the government hates him is for divulging war crimes that were committed in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so, like, if he winds up spending the rest of his life in prison or being even worse tortured to death while awaiting trial without even being formally charged um it really strikes a heavy blow to the independence of journalism and the rights of freedom of press in the US and abroad so i so feel like that's a really Can big you really problem. quick uh what i was going to ask before is 
Can you take 30 seconds and explain WikiLeaks and like how it started, what was released, and why we should care? Because I'm not as familiar with it. Right. So, so WikiLeaks is an independent news organization. It was started by founder Julian Assange, and it's a place where whistleblowers can anonymously dump information that governments don't want people in the general public to know. Um, they do a great deal of, uh, you know, decentralization, uh, moving their headquarters around, um, moving where go governments are more tolerant of people's freedom of speech laws, and, uh, you know, maneuvering in order to uh, keep their stuff, if not legal, then at least, um, you know, not prosecuted. And so... It, it was invented as a way to get this classified information out. Um, before WikiLeaks, you know, if you published classified information that a government didn't want you to know, then they've got your name, they've got your address, they know what corporation you work for. There's all of this, uh, you know, responsibility that is tied to maybe not saying something about a bad actor in government. And after WikiLeaks, there is this sort of freedom for whistleblowers to come forward and have any expectation at all of being protected as an anonymous source. Uh, so we, we saw, I mean, briefly, um, there have been war crimes that have come out from uh, U.S. secret cables. There are uh, U.S. diplomatic cables WikiLeaks published Hillary Clinton's emails and the DNC emails that were pivotal in the 2016 election. Um, they're, they're generally a big thorn in many governments' sides, particularly the U.S. government. But it's true information. That's the thing. They're not out here fabricating yeah. things. They are telling the truth, and they're being persecuted for telling the truth. And it finally caught up with Julian. I, it, it is. He was like objectively like a terrible tenant of the embassy he stayed in. From what I understand, he would like roller skate in the hallways and like would let his cat poop anywhere it wanted. And like just like terrible. And like that shouldn't that doesn't mean that it's OK for him to be <laughs> like. <laughs> taken into custody. Sure, but I, I, and I'm I'm totally sure that that's true. There was also a political struggle. Um, there was a new Ecuadorian prime minister that was elected while uh, Julian was in the embassy, and the new prime minister. One of the things that he ran on was evicting Julian Assange from the embassy. <laughs> so it was apparently popular enough with the people of Ecuador that it was a uh, pivotal uh, campaigning point. Wow. Uh, I, could, I could be wrong about that, but I, I think that's the case. This is an interesting thing to me, because can I ask how much time do we have left? Uh, we got like a minute ten. Okay, real quick. We all think, I think individually, we all think that we should have access to any and all information. Sure. And 
there are clearly things that are a matter of national security that we should not know about. The problem is that the people who protect those things and say this is a matter of national security and this is not, we don't trust them at all to make those decisions because they lie and cheat about it all the time. Right. So of, co- of course, the big the big argument is that Julian Assange, by releasing this information and not censoring it in the way that the government wanted to, like not redacting names, not redacting like addresses and telephones and phone numbers, that he could have compromised and could have gotten killed people who were like divulging information in Iraq and Afghanistan or uh, compromised like secret agents identities and stuff. Twi- uh, 15 seconds. I don't know if anybody really wanted to get in the last word, but Did, or a word four seconds. <laughs> I'll get to talk in the next topic. Okay. Maybe. Well, that is time. <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> okay. You you were the uh, one who didn't so talk. Who, you got to jump in. Who got second? Okay, I guess it's to me then. Um, what I would like to talk about is I don't understand how it's not a bigger story, but a couple of days ago. On Axios and a few different places, the story, quote, scientists find possible sign of life on Venus came out. Ah, and we're rolling. What? So here's the thing. Uh, Scientists have been musing about the possibility that um, Venus might have life on it for a while now. What they did was they found, and I don't know how because I'm not that smart, uh, they found they were able to detect phosphine on Venus, which here on Earth is created from microbes that live in the intestines of animals. They aren't saying that there's life on Venus. They're not saying that. What they are saying is they don't have a better explanation of why that gas exists there. Uh, it will come up uh, in our future space episode. Right. Um, but there's actually a... There's a lot of reasons why uh, scientists are saying that Venus is more inhabitable than Mars. It would be a better suited destination for human transplant (laughs) than Mars. More cost effective, more Mm -hmm. um, just generally easier, safer, whatever, and closer. Well, and I've seen people from, I've seen a few people from NASA say that we need to start changing our efforts from going to Mars to going to Venus mm-hmm. now. Which, I, 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 that's fascinating to me, and I'm all about it. I'm pretty, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty psyched. I think it would be amazing if there's another life form right here in this solar system, on another planet, I should say, because there's a ton of life forms right here on Earth. So just to expand on what you said, this is the exact same thing that you said, but I'm reading the the abstract here, and it says uh, PH3 um, has currently no known abiotic production routes, uh, which is, you know, we... There may be an unknown photochemistry or geochemistry pathway to PH3, but the only ways that we know of right now is um, from biology. That's... A restatement of your same what, thing, but what that means, exactly. though, in terms of Venus, is that the only reason there wouldn't be life on Venus is if there's something that we don't know that we don't know. Like based on everything that we know, we should expect there to be another life form on Venus, right? And it seems wild to me that like one of two things is going to happen if we go there. One, we find life, which holy. Awesome. Or B, 
something that we fundamentally think that we understand about science will be proven wrong, in which, holy shit. Yeah. Well, and... You know, where's the downside? Right. That's one of the cool things about science is that, I mean, it's it's constantly trying to prove itself wrong. And in doing so, I think you find some of the most interesting discoveries. Absolutely. That's one thing that a lot of anti-science people do. I don't I don't want to keep on bashing conservatives because there are a lot of pro-science conservatives out there, obviously. And, but people who like to bash science, they're like, well, it was wrong about this. Uh, but no, that's not the way science works. Like, the best thing that can happen in science is that it finds that it's wrong. Right. That's awesome. That's a very, very exciting thing to scientists. And for the record, there's also plenty of anti-science liberals. I'm looking at you, David Avocado Wolf. Go to hell. So, so there is a really interesting concept to me in science called abiogenesis. It's the idea that life itself had to have come from somewhere. Like at one point, there were no biological carbon-based life forms, and then like right. bam, suddenly there were. <laughs> I'm, we don't see that. Uh, like abiogenesis is actually the name of a faulty scientific theory like phlogiston where they used to think that if you just had like a rock or uh you know a dead stump or something that life forms just sprouted out of them and they they found out that that's not true that there's always like a seed or some kind of you know reproduction cycle um, maggots or some something else there's always a lineage to all of the right. uh, biogenesis that we see. But so this would be really interesting to me to find out if maybe life is much more common than what we already think. Um, maybe it just happens all the time and we're just incapable of detecting it throughout the universe. And yeah. what does that do to our society? What does that do to us as human beings who love to live in these little, like, invisible bordered countries that we split up on our own planet when we find out that there is very likely a ton of other planets out there i think that brings people together in a way that nothing else can well if it's if it's just like microbiology if it's just like you know a, a bunch of amoebas i feel like that right, doesn't which sure that doesn't change very much but it it would spark the idea that maybe there would be more complex life out there and it would be still a tremendous discovery exactly mm -hmm. if like if a planet in our own solar system or the next planet over also has life it's going to be very hard to like come up with this idea or stick with the idea that it's just us right and well a whole bunch of nothing out there and just to again to tease our cosmos episode you know we talked a little bit in more depth about how our search for life on in, in other solar systems has been expanded. You know, yeah. again, this is another shockwave to that, to the another exponential increase. 30-second warning, by the way, sorry. Okay, okay. another exponential increase in the, uh, in, in the train of thought that I lost. Sorry. So, so there's also another theory that, um, you know, meteors crashing into planets might send debris with life forms on it that would colonize yeah. other planets. That's another popular idea. And then it wouldn't need abiogenesis to necessarily have happened on Earth. It could have happened anywhere. Can I just say abiogenesis? No, that's our like time. Awesome. Sorry. Okay. You're, you're cut off. Sorry. I'm going to say it anyway because it might be. A stinger, maybe. Yeah, go for it. Abiogenesis to me sounds like an awesome metal band. There you go. <laughs> nope. 
Anyway. You're not gonna you're not gonna backdoor your comment in the episode. <laughs> okay, so my turn. Um, for my turn, I want to talk about the uh, the 2020 election, but I don't want to talk about the presidential election. I want to talk about the Senate election. So the gist of what I want to talk about is that there are a number of a surprising number of Senate seats that are considered vulnerable. Um, specifically four Republican seats and one Democrat seat. So the, the Republicans in Maine, Colorado, North Carolina, and Arizona are all, uh, under threat of losing to a Democrat. And the Democratic senator in Alabama, question mark, how did that happen? Doug Jones. It happened because he was running against an actual proven pedophile, like in a big way. That is a that is a huge help. All right, I'm yeah, starting I mean, time. So, okay, so so if the if all of these flip, if if all five of those seats flip, then I think you have a fifty fifty Senate because the Democrats are down four right now, I believe. If they gain four, they actually take control of the Senate. Right. They only they only two of those need to flip in the way we I would like them to to even everything up. So my yeah. my understanding is that there are six year terms, but some senators are up for reelection in as short as two years, and I don't understand how that is chosen or how that works. So Doug Jones is a good example of this. Doug Jones in Alabama because he was elected to the Senate in a special election because the senator, and I don't remember who it was, but the senator had stepped down to join Trump's administration. And then there was a special election and it was Doug Jones against someone who I can't remember his name. And he was, oh, Rob Moore, I think, something like that. Roy. Roy, Roy Moore. Moore is That's who you're it. talking about. Roy Moore. And Roy Moore is a colossal pedophile. He's he's very bad. So Doug Jones won. There, there was a huge controversy when that information came out, right? So, like, that, oh, was, yeah. that was a huge news story. It was a story. big deal. It was can, a big deal. Can you illuminate but, any on that on that news story, what that was? What, on Roy Moore? Or just just he was a pedophile? He, he's a pedophile. I don't know. I don't really want I'll to do, talk I'll more about in, him. I don't care. I'll throw in a fact check right here. Just sure. to remind people of what a piece of shit Roy Moore is. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. So we're just gonna make this really quick. Here are several examples of why Roy Moore is a piece of shit in no particular order. He's downplayed American slavery on several occasions. On evolution, he says, There's no such thing as evolution, that we came from a snake. No, I don't believe that. He once took custody of a child away from a lesbian woman because, quote, The court strongly feels that the minor child will be detrimentally affected by the present lifestyle of Mrs. Borden, who is engaged in a homosexual relationship during her marriage, forbidden both by the laws of the state of Alabama and the laws of nature. He doesn't believe that transgendered people have any rights. He's been accused of sexual assault of minors multiple times, and when asked if he dated a 14-year-old, he responded, by saying he didn't remember and that he'd never date any girl without asking her mother first. So, he's a real piece of shit. Feel free to look up additional examples if you're so inclined, but he's pretty much out of public life now, so probably don't bother. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Fact check, fact check, fact check. 
Yeah, but sure. I don't want to talk about him. But it, Doug Jones is running in Alabama, which is the Republican running against him is an Alabama football coach. So that's not looking great for the Democrats. In Arizona? Well, and frankly, it's a, it's a flippable seat. It's a flippable seat because Democrats shouldn't have it in the first place. It's not like Doug Jones having that seat isn't right. representative of people right. liking Doug Jones. It's representative of people hating Roy Moore. Sure. So he will most likely lose that seat because he, like, not saying that anybody right. deserves a seat or anything like that. But it's, traditionally, yeah. Republicans kind of own that I think position. Al- Arizona, where the, the candidate is this, ast- he's an astronaut. Uh, former astronaut, I guess, and Colorado, where the the Republican senator is not very popular, has tied himself to Trump quite a bit, and Colorado has turned much, much more blue since 2016. And then there's Maine and North Carolina. Maine is Susan Collins, and out of all of the Republicans, Susan Collins is one of the very few kind of sort of almost respectable ones sometimes, although not really recently. She voted for Trump on the impeachment. Um, so that was an issue. She's, she's not great, bad. but she, she's one of those, she's one of those politicians that likes to say the right thing, but then not follow through with the thing that she said. No, no, no. She does vote. Mm. She votes with Democrats fairly often. Fair she enough. is, she is definitely, I mean, she sort of think John McCain, but she's still a problem. She still voted to not, uh, remove Trump from office. And so she's not very popular in Maine anymore. That's, pretty vulnerable but she's been there for freaking ever and then there's north carolina which is a little bit of a weird one to me because north carolina is generally just pretty much kind of a republican state in the south there but um it's been trending more blue like arizona and colorado so um and they're it's they say it's a close race the one senate race though that I mean, didn't list, and I most, most, most want to flip, but of course it's not going to. You want to guess what it is, Nathan? Uh, I'm going to say McConnell? Yeah, because f*** him. There He's we go. He's the worst. He's the worst. Yeah. He's the worst. I would rather have a Trump presidency and get McConnell out. Not by a lot. Not by a very, very small margin. Uh, Mitch, Mitch McConnell represents what state? Kentucky. I don't have a ton of money myself, but I will say... I have given money to Amy McGrath's campaign. She's not my favorite Democrat or anything like that. She's actually pretty conservative, but she's just the like our best and only hope, like <laughs> just in general. Yeah. So if you have a couple of pennies to rub together, a couple of dollars to rub together, go to Amy McGrath's website and uh, give her some money. Mini fact check. Bad news about Amy McGrath. She lost, so probably don't donate to her anymore. But if you're listening to this episode before January 3rd of 2021, and you've got a little extra money, you should head over to gasenate.com and donate. There are still two Senate seats up for grabs, and the only way to check McConnell's power for the next six years is for Democrats to win them both. Mini fact check. Definitely. I think Kentucky generally is pretty red. Oh, Cory Gardner is the one in Colorado that I was trying to think of. Cory Gardner, right. sorry. Well, but Mitch McConnell is traditionally not well-liked either. He keeps on winning these things because he keeps on having an insane amount of money more than his opponent does because he keeps on being given money by the Koch brothers and other big conservative groups because they want him to stay in power. So she has a real shot. 
Yeah, and there's actually a few other surprising Republican rate or Republican seats, held seats, uh, that are eh, arguably up for grabs in Iowa, Montana, uh, Georgia. Actually, both seats in Georgia are, are up for re-election, um, and then Kansas and South, and of course Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. And but I don't think there's really a strong argument that any of those will actually flip. They just, we're talking potential here. I mean, Georgia, come on. Lindsey Graham is definitely a, a problem as well. Oh, my God. I hate him almost yeah. as much as McConnell. He's just, well, he's he's just, just so annoying. Well, and he's he's sleazy because he's just thrown in with Trump. Like, the, like arguably, one of the the best commercial ads. 30, like, second, one of the best. 30 second warning, by the way. Arguably one of the best political ads of all time is a political ad of him talking about Joe Biden and how if you don't believe in Joe Biden, if you don't support him, you don't have a heart. Uh, and talking about how terrible uh, Donald Trump is, but all that came from before Donald Trump was elected and before he just started to yeah. kiss some booty. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. What is Donald Trump's campaign about? He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. And you know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. If you can't admire Joe Biden as a person, then it's probably you got a problem. <laughs> you need to do some self-evaluation. Because what's not to like? He is as good a man as God ever created. He said some of the most incredibly heartfelt things that anybody could ever say to me. He's the nicest person I think I've ever met in politics. This is a defining moment in the future of the Republican Party. We have to reject this demagoguery, and if we don't reject Donald Trump, we've lost the moral authority, in my view, to govern this great nation. All right, back to you, Pat. Back to me. Okay. So one of the major problems with representative democracy as a whole, I think representative democracy is kind of like the best fix and the least broken thing, but there are valid criticisms of representative democracy. And one of the problems is a short sightedness versus like long term goals and expectations so, for example, like something like paying off the national debt or uh, clean energy or trying to preserve a, a planet for our children or even educating our children can be sometimes an uphill battle when there's this cycle of re-election and short-term political gains are often seen as more valuable than having good long-term planning. So that's sort of like the the name of the game. And I'm going to start time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I mean, in, in any form of democracy, um, you have this issue uh, where the people who are voting the people whose opinion and in a representative democracy it's more just the people whose whose opinions need to be courted are often more concerned about themselves so 
for example, um, you know those cameras that take pictures of you when you speed on the street? Yeah. Stoplight yeah. cameras? Well, everybody hates those. Right? Everyone, and people vote against them if they're on a ballot. Like, they hate them. But the thing is that they are actually safer, more effective, and cheaper than police officers. They're better for everybody, especially people of color right now who would really probably rather not be pulled over by a police officer for fear of dying. But people vote against them, even though they are generally better. Well, one of the problems with that is the application of that. If you remember, even specifically in Cleveland, those were being set up downtown, set up in Euclid, set up in places where they disproportionately affect people of color also. Yeah, I mean, obviously... It's like an extra... It's an additional tax. So if you assume that people are going to speed all the time, and generally people (laughs) tend to speed about five miles per hour over... Um, they run through yellow or red lights. Oh, I hate um, they that do, so they much. They roll through stop signs. That is, I mean, as dangerous as that is, you can consider that sort of like normal driver behavior. You <laughs> the have, cost of doing business. You have increasingly dangerous driving behaviors where, um, you know, you go past that. But I would say that that is, that is very much a norm. Is, sure. Is five miles per hour over. And so if you're going to start taxing that, you're levying... An additional tax, and if you're only putting those lights into, like, poor districts, then you are putting an additional tax on the poor. Well, okay. See what I'm saying? If so, you are, but that's a big if. Right, and they, they weren't evenly applied. Like, these these uh, traffic cameras weren't being put up in, like, Shaker Heights or Chagrin Falls or Beachwood. They were being put up <laughs> downtown and Euclid and South Euclid and... Places that were so. What I'm hearing you say is put them everywhere. For those of you who don't live in Cleveland, what Pat just said was rich neighborhood, rich neighborhood, rich neighborhood, poor neighborhood, poor neighborhood, poor neighborhood. Yeah. So right. And I don't. I'm not a big fan of them in the first place. I would rather not have them at all. But I'm saying, you know, if you're going to do that, then it should be applied evenly. I agree. I think they should be applied evenly. But again, but to the point of. That's something where if that was instituted across the board evenly and fairly, right? But if that were put in place, it would be better for everyone. It would cost the taxpayers less. It would cause less harm, less traffic stops. Um, you don't get points on your license when you get, you know what I mean? So oh, if, if that were implemented, but no one wants to vote for that because they don't like them and you don't like when you get hit with a camera ticket well, they also so, functioned a fair amount, and so they the, were they were applying uh, false positives. They were giving people tickets that didn't deserve them. I'm trying to get us back onto the point, right? Okay. Well, I just particularly don't like cameras, but that's uh, okay. Understood. But the point is, voters act in their own selfish, short-sighted, seemingly best interests, which is very often not their actual best interests. Right. Which is a problem with democracy. Uh, although often you find that voters vote against their own best interests. Well, that's my point. a whole other issue. That's so my this is, exact So this is not point. necessarily a good replacement, but what's been um, 
you know, theorized to be a better system would be like a benevolent dictator, someone who would be able to make long-term plans <laughs> and implement them in a better way than direct democracy. I am not a proponent of that. I think that democracy is still better, but I think you need to, if you're going to live and function in a democracy, then you should have some sort of awareness of this kind of thing. And, and we should be planning ahead for the future. The best, the best money that you can spend is like educating your kids and trying to get people into STEM and working on like right. scientific breakthroughs. Like it pays dividends. It, it, it's been proven. It's not even like mysterious whether or not we will get scientific breakthroughs <laughs> from that. We will reliably get scientific breakthroughs from that that will pay multitudes more than right. what it cost in investment. But and it yet, takes too long still, to get it. Yeah, people are still very reluctant to pass their local school levy, thinking like, oh, you know, I mean, I don't have kids. Why do I need to pay for other people's kids? Very selfish, just like short-sighted interest. And if you can get beyond that, like if you just smarten up a little bit, you'd realize that, you know, this is the best investment <laughs> we could possibly make. Right. And it's the same thing with environment. It's well, the same no story. One... No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all-wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except all those other forms have been tried from time to time. That was right. Winston Churchill in November of 1947. Right, and that's the big problem with the, the benevolent dictator is, like, first of all, you can't possibly assure that you have a benevolent dictator. And second of all, like, the, even just one generation after, even if you had the best dictator ever— one generation after, you would immediately go to shit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that is so... 35 seconds. Oh, well, well then I would say that uh, we need to have a computer uh, be our dictator. Done. I really like the idea of, like, uh, scientific rule, of having, like, bringing in the very best experts and... The technocratic uh, government. Yeah technocratic government where you're making the best possible decisions that you can you have in a peer-reviewed way with you know the best data that's available yeah. there are a lot I of issues just, with that too though but i know we're about out of time sure that's i think dumb. we're just back to our uh deserted island episode now mm -hmm. sure okay well that is my time so Woo! so i am limiting myself to one topic that shits on trump um, this episode. <laughs> and sure, we could talk about him calling World War One veterans Are you about suckers and losers. Oh, uh, no. We could go ahead and talk about him saying that he literally doesn't believe in science to uh, people in California who are trying to deal with wildfires. But that's not what I want to talk about because we all know about that. All right, you're kind of milking the topic sentence now. Yeah. You're trying to squeeze like four <laughs> Trump topics into one. Oh, no, you're not allowed to talk about any of that because what we're talking about is an article from September 2nd, 2020, where Sarah Huckabee Sanders says Trump told her to go to North Korea and, quote, take one for the team after Kim Jong-un winked at her. So <laughs> why don't we go ahead and start the time? Sure. All right, Can, we're going. I'm just so, going to get the mean thing out of my out of my mouth right out of the gates because it's mean and I, I shouldn't say this sort of thing, but oh my God, she looks like she was drawn by Picasso and I, I don't judge people based on their looks, but she's just difficult to look at. I, I know that that's wow. not important. 
That's mean, wow. and I can't. I don't. I can't justify saying something mean like that. But I did. I feel like we've gone go. to a dark place with the wow, beginning of this I don't, topic. I don't feel like that at all. <laughs> uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you are a beautiful woman, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You are, however, a monster of a human being. So, yeah, well, there's that. Um, but yes, uh, they went to uh, North Korea, and Kim Jong Un apparently had an eye for her, and uh, <laughs> President Trump's reaction was. Hey, could you go prostitute yourself for the country? And that Yikes. is a new terrible thing that I haven't seen him do before. I'm I'm surprised he didn't pick her up by the p- and throw her at him. Wow, you are uh, you were saying a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just gonna have to bleep, bleep out, out. Like, or just take out whole chunks of it or whatever. I mean, just listeners for your just Trump is. Whatever, you know. Whatever. Our benevolent dictator would do anything in order to ensure <laughs> peace on Earth, and especially between the rogue state of North Korea and the United States, who, by the way, this year developed the capability of sending intercontinental ballistic missiles anywhere, you know, along the coast of California, and I think even as far as New York now. Yeah, I mean, Trump's relationship with, with Kim is... Let's call it strange. Sure. Um, I mean, he kind of, like, flirts with him, sort of, in, like, a weird dictator way. No, he, he specifically said that they fell in love. I was really being tough, and so was he. And we would go back and forth, and then we fell in love. Okay? No, really. He wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters. We fell in love. Oh, aww. That's cute. Well, uh, I'm glad that he finally settled down. Well, it's it's specifically because he wants the government to run like a business. He wants yes. the government to work the way his old business did, where maybe he's breaking the law or whatever, but he's rich. And so the system is built so he gets to do that. And so when he tells somebody something and it's a lie, or he tells them to go break the law, they just go do it for him because they want a raise, they want a promotion, whatever. And that's not the way the world works in a democracy. It is, however, the way the world works in a dictatorship with these iron-fisted leaders and the people that he looks up to, i.e. your Putin and your uh, Xi Jinping and your Kim Jong Uns, yes. So, so this is the uh, most that a president has reached out to North Korea for diplomatic relationships in decades. So it is, you know, the the most contact that we've had with North Korea. I guess you could debate on what good has come out of it because a lot of the nuclear disarmament. Uh, treaties have kind of fallen to the wayside and not really right. resulted in anything no, you're right. good. Well, no, and, I think and, one of Trump's greatest successes in his four years so far has been his in just impressive ability to cozy up with maniacal dictators. Right, and I mean, that's a mixed bag. That's good and that's bad. It's not good. <laughs> There's a reason why we don't engage with North Korea. You don't want to give them the idea you don't want to make them feel like they're being listened to when they're being fundamentally crazy when they are threatening south korea with nuclear annihilation when they're threatening us with nuclear annihilation and the thing is trump early on threatened little rocket man 
and said that we were going to, what did he say? Like, uh, fire and fury, like, wipe them out with fire and fury. Like, uh, that our, yeah. that our missiles he, are bigger like, and that they work better. Or that his yes. button, that his button was bigger. I, you know. Any, any number his, of these things could have started a nuclear war. But Trump yeah, said, anyway, well, you know, maybe. No, 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 no. They, they absolutely could have. The, the same way that killing Soleimani, assassinating Soleimani, could have started a world war. Like, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that he does, and he doesn't think about it ahead of time, and luckily, like, cooler heads on the other side prevail. Maybe this is but, inaccurate, but I saw an article come up where it said, uh, Trump was quoted as saying he thought about uh, assassinating Bashar al-Assad earlier this year, which is a pretty wild claim, and we'll have to fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God! Brett not taken out Assad, and do you, was it because of Russia being allied with him is why you didn't do it? And do you regret not doing it? No, I don't regret that. I could have lived either way with that. That you know, I, I considered him certainly not a good person, but uh, I had a shot to take him out if I wanted. And Mattis was against it. Mattis was against most of that stuff. He'd keep you in military, but he didn't know how to win. So and if you did think about it. Like, why would you tell people you thought about it and didn't do it? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh my Seems god. Seems like a little bit of a gaffe. Oh. So I want to go back to something that you said a minute ago, Nathan. That. Trump wants to run the country, run run the federal government like he ran his business. And this is something yes. that I kind of like, yeah, it's true. I had sort of a moment of clarification around that idea recently that I, I've been really bothered by Trump's like firing of inspector generals, uh, inspectors general and attorneys general who were investigating him or his people. And yes. I had this moment of clarity where I kind of realized that he is using William Barr and the Department of Justice the way he used his legal department at Trump LLC or whatever. Absolutely. Mm. I don't think it's an LLC. <laughs> and, you know, he, he uses them to protect him, which is what he used his lawyers for. It's what he thinks lawyers are for. And the thing is that it's not like you're company's private legal team it's the fucking department of justice mm. they're the ones who you used to have to protect yourself from right right so this is this is what they don't seem to get is that william barr doesn't act as the attorney general he acts as rudy Donald giuliani Trump. did or he, yeah he's he's donald uh, trump's personal lawyer and that's what made donald trump so pissed off at jeff sessions time yeah. All right. Uh, it brings it back around to me. So I'm going to go with um, – it's not really a headline. It's actually just a study that I heard about. I actually heard about it just earlier today, maybe an hour or so ago while I was running. So uh, basically there was this 2005 uh, survey. They asked Americans – and I'm going to probably botch some of these numbers, but I'll do the best I can. They presented basically two governments, or two countries, rather. Country A, the top 20% has a third of the wealth. The bottom 20% has, I think, like a tenth of the wealth, or something like that. Country B, the top 20% has 84% of the wealth. Country, uh, the bottom 20% has 0.1% of the wealth. 94% of Americans chose country A. 
it turns out country A is Finland. Country B is, want to guess? United States of America. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking yeah. us, isn't it? So um, what's interesting is, you know, this survey was conducted kind of hypothetically, right? They just gave these two hypothetical countries and 94% of Americans chose the other one, not America. In fact, it was like 96% of Democrats and 92% of Republicans. This was in 2005. So it was a little while ago. It was pre-Trump. But I think it's still, um, I think it says a lot about Americans because then let's, if we in, invert it, we flip it and we look at, or not, not invert it, but what if this were a transparent survey? What if we said, well, Finland has this, America has that, which one would you rather live in? What do you think Americans are going to say? Right. I mean, it's, it's going to bias the numbers from saying like objectively what you think is the best structure to a certain number of people are going to say, oh, I like living in America, so I'm just going to answer America. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it so so it it speaks a lot to the inequality problems. There's there's a lot of problems with uh, obviously with inequality in America and wage gap issues and stuff. Um, not just one percent to like middle class and, and impoverished people, but also uh, you know racially or gender wage gaps. So I feel like this is a relevant question in the first place. Like, is inequality itself if you are raising the quality of life of the lowest 1% and people are still like continually getting raises, which I mean, they're not, they're not keeping up with inflation, but would inequality in of itself be an issue if we were still raising standard of living for the poor and everyone else along with it? Yeah. I mean, the answer is probably pretty apparent, like inequality is a problem. So, so here's another, another, just another sort of relevant study to, to what we're talking about. And again, I'm going to butcher the, the, the specifics, but in, in like third world, second world countries, poverty is the number one driver by a long shot of violent crime. Sure. In a first world countries where poverty is not at all what poverty is in those other countries, Poverty doesn't seem to be the driver of violent crime. Instead, it's inequality. Hmm. The FBI has found that violent crime is uh, has to do with wealth, with poverty. Yeah, economics. Yep. Than it does with anything else. And that's Sorry. why when I'm having arguments with people on Facebook, I have to over and over again explain to them while, yes, African-American communities do have higher rates of violent crime than some other communities – Systemic racism has left them as poor. We are the ones who left them as poor. So your beef is not with African-Americans. It's with poverty. And the reason they're poor is because of white people. So so what if certainly I guess right now it is apparently a problem, inequality. But at what point would you say like this is the right amount of inequality? Are you going to equalize pay across all of society are you going to say that people who are successful in business are not allowed to be successful in business anymore you you make an excellent point you know that my answer is going to be different than your two answers on this and the the loaded way you ask that question they're not allowed to be successful anymore is i think a little disingenuous but i understand what you're trying to get at 
Okay, well, what's what? how would you phrase it then differently? I think the floor is your family can eat, you have a place to live, you don't die of curable diseases. We need to provide a floor for everybody. Yes. Yeah, like, that's the, the baseline of what's okay. I'm not saying that people need to have an extravagant life, but we need not to have so many homeless kids anymore. And yeah. even if people are just lazy, they should be able to eat their, like, crusty brand imitation gruel in their, like, tiny 300-square-foot apartment. Right. I'm generally in favor of that. I, th- I think that that is a positive step in the right direction. It's just that when the framing of the whole subject, when you talk about inequality, like, what is your what is your goal? Are you going to make everything equal? Like, that's no. in the word, inequality. Like, too much inequality or growing inequality or, um, you know, the, the vastness of the inequality, I would say, is specifically the problem that you want to attack. I'm, um, I'm all about redistributing, uh, redistributing wealth. I have no problem with that at all. And I, I know that's, like, one area where uh, you guys and I, I don't think, are ever going to agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably a little prickly on that exact notion. So if I can jump in, yeah, I agree. Like, you, I agree with sort of both of you. I'm going to kind of straddle both points here uh i think it's it's absurd and insane and well all right no that's just being dramatic but it it, we should never we should not be talking about a a ceiling to what people can earn we shouldn't be capping what people can earn there shouldn't be a limit we we absolutely should but go ahead but but, (laughs) 30 seconds I can I can throw in one but more what thing. What we should be doing? My... No, because I haven't finished my point. <laughs> um, I think Andy has the floor. Twenty seconds. I'm trying. I'm trying. So the ceiling isn't a problem. It's the floor that's the problem. And if the floor is a reasonable life, is a, is an acceptable. Ten living, seconds, Nathan. Rebuttal. Then we're good. Uh, no, you're you're super wrong. The ceiling is a problem. Jeff Bezos earned eighty-seven point one billion dollars in twenty twenty. Time. That's time. Well, I think we should do an episode on that. All right, so my topic, and this is a big news story, but we just have not covered it on the podcast at all. We haven't, you know, been talking about political stuff for a few weeks. Um, Kenosha. There was a Kenosha shooting. Um, I think three protesters wound up being shot. Two of them killed. One of them uh, permanently disabled in his arm. Um, you have, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, who now has multiple charges levied against him and, uh, including, uh, being a minor and possession of a firearm while being a minor, um, having crossed states. And, um, so I have some complicated feelings about this. I feel like I'm going to butt heads with one or more of you on this issue, Um, but looking at the tape, and I'm going to go ahead and start the timer. So looking at the tape of what actually happened, there are arguments that he shouldn't have been there in the first place, that he was an agitator, that he was, you know, maybe breaking the law with having the firearm in the first place. Um, but I think just based on the tape and not looking at the other factors, it's clear that his life was in danger and that he was being attacked by this crowd. I don't know whether a self-defense argument is going to hold up in court, but I, my feeling about it is that if he had not defended himself, then we would be looking at a very different story of 
uh, Kyle Rittenhouse being murdered in Kenosha really? as opposed to, you know, three protesters be- having been assaulted or murdered. Can you describe? In so Kenosha. I have not watched the tape because I decided I didn't give a shit about Kyle Rittenhouse. But can you describe what? Like, I don't want all of the detail, I guess, like, but, like, what happened? Yeah, briefly, there, there's, there's a couple of videos, um, people had their cam, you know, their, their cell phones out. We don't know everything that happened prior to, uh, you know, the cameras being pulled out and, and, uh, being recorded. Um, but there seemed to have been a verbal altercation, which did escalate into a physical fight. Um, in the video, when you when you know footage starts getting rolled, um, what you see is Kyle Rittenhouse, who has an assault rifle on his person, um, running away from one of the victims. Um, the victim throws an object at Kyle. It seems to be maybe like a, a plastic bag. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Some people were saying that it was a Molotov cocktail. I don't think that that's the case. Looking closely at the footage, it appears to be a plastic bag. But anyway, so the victim throws a plastic bag at Kyle Rittenhouse, continues to chase him behind a car. The first shot, the first shots go out. The first victim was hit, I think, in several places in the in the head and also in the heart through the uh, through the liver. Or the lungs through the liver. So um, the first victim and and then later dies of his wounds. Um, then there is a separate clip, but it couldn't have taken place more than 30 seconds later. Kyle is still running from a crowd. You see Kyle get knocked down to the ground. He gets assaulted on three sides by three separate individuals, one of whom tries to swing a skateboard at him, and another of which attempts to pull out a gun in front of him. I believe that the skateboard wielder, the protester wielding the skateboard, was another victim who died of his wounds, and the person who in front of him pulled out a gun was shot in the arm and permanently disabled in his arm and is currently recovering but, you know, is in stable condition and still walking around, still healthy enough. Okay. Um, and so... so I think that 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 video footage really paints a picture of Kyle being on the defensive, running away from his attackers. Of course, the entire situation is extremely unfortunate, and I think that there might be a good argument for that he shouldn't have been where he was in the first place. But I think, certainly in the situation, if you're going to say that anyone can defend themselves with a firearm... I think that this is the case where you're being attacked by a crowd that clearly has malicious intent on your life, that that is the one situation where you are allowed to defend yourself with a firearm, if you're ever allowed to defend yourself with a firearm. I think my first reaction is, I mean, so important things, you, you sort of you, you sort of covered it a little bit, but Kyle Rittenhouse drove to another state to go to a protest that he had no part in to try and support police where they... So I I believe that he was asked to be there by a business owner whose business was perhaps under threat from these protests. He also is recorded putting out a fire that was in a dumpster that was being pushed towards a gas station. So taking, taking a fire extinguisher and putting out 
a dumpster that was being pushed towards the space station. Like that's uh, like th- no one you... could have a problem with that. I think that's that's great. That's fine. I would very much like to know what happened before the person started chasing him. I don't know that in a legal sense it matters that much. Right. And certainly someone chasing after him seemingly wanting to do violence to him, that's not okay. Like that that person what they did is not okay. But I will say, like, the second group of people who came up to him had just seen him use an assault rifle to kill a man. So swinging a skateboard at him after that, I don't have a problem with that. Hmm. I don't, like, I don't have the full context, but they just saw him kill a man. And I think trying to disarm him seems like a reasonable move. Now, again, I haven't seen the video. I don't have all the information. Uh, This is one of those situations where I would be more than willing to look at new information before making full judgment. But well, there are there are lots of charges being levied against him, so you don't have to worry about a lack of charges being put in in front of a court of law. That's definitely in the process of happening. Yeah, is he going to get Brock Turner treatment though? I don't know. Um, my... We only have 40 seconds if you want to get in real quick, Andy. Sorry. It really sucks. He shouldn't have done what he did. Yeah, I mean, I think it's mega unfortunate, like, the whole thing. I There's just too much to say. I don't have time. Okay. So, I mean, I don't think that it justifies, you know, murder that someone chasing after you. But if he is in danger of his life, I think that's a problem. And that we're actually out of time, so... Okay, I think I want to lighten the mood a little bit. And what I'd like to talk about, because we haven't really done it before, and I feel, question mark, because I don't know about you, Andy, but I feel like all of us have or do currently play video games. And I would like to talk about what video games have you played in the past or are playing now that you think are the greatest of all time, the the games that have stuck with you over the years. Ooh. All right, I'm going to start timer. And Andy, because... I feel like you've been left out a couple of times. Why don't you go ahead and go first? Sure. I'll be probably pretty quick. I'm not a big video game player. Most of the games I play are the same ones I've been playing for 20 years. You're a big fan of KOTOR, right? I am. Knights of the Old Republic, the Star Wars games are phenomenal. Excellent story. Great twists and character building is fun. And it's just a fan, really, really well done games. And I mean... If you put yourself back in the time when they came out, excellent graphics. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Not anymore, really, but um, I also play the Fable games, Fable 1, 2, and 3. Those are a lot of fun to me. Uh, I I just pulled out uh, Morrowind, the Elder Mm. Scrolls 3. Yes. Um, But that is, it is still just so much. It's so it's, it's a little too much of a game for me. <laughs> what is, like, the whole, like, a- any of those? Like, Skyrim I go back to once a year. I, yeah. I like stuff that I'll play for, like, a couple hours and then forget that I was playing and just start over again Fair next enough. time. So I also do enjoy Madden, which is about the only thing that I have ever, like, <laughs> updated the game you know, through the years. But even that, like, especially this year, I just am not interested in the NFL. I'm not interested in football. Uh, I'm not interested right now. So that's basically it. There were some other games. That, oh, um, Sid Meier's Civilization Revolution. I played that. Revol- I think oh, I yeah. played Revolution before. That's the, like, it's, really quick playing yeah. one, right? 
I think I got that for my Xbox, like the 360. Yeah, yeah I have. That's what I have it for, and I, I, I like the game, but I also kind of don't love certain aspects of it. <laughs> I so. probably have. I probably have like between Civ three, four, five, and I'm not a big fan of six, but three, four, and five. I probably have like ten or fifteen thousand hours dumped in those games. And I swear to God, I'm <laughs> terrible. I, like I am still awful at those games, <laughs> uh, but I do love playing them on like slow and low, like marathon, like the the biggest world possible and marathon time. So it takes like hundreds of hours to finish game. So so we've got about two minutes twenty each, uh, a little bit less now because a little bit of time has passed. But do you want to go next, Nathan, or do you want to let me go? No, you quick? you should go. Okay, so um, I definitely agree with Kotor, and um, yeah, Fable was also excellent. Um, Elder Scrolls, the whole series is excellent, excellent, excellent. I think Morrowind is probably my favorite, but uh, among my like top favorites in no particular order. Um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, yes. uh, Half-Life 3, although, or Half-Life 3, there is no Half-Life <laughs> 3, Half-Life 2, although Half-Life, Half-Life 1 was also excellent. Well, I'm just trying to go you're gonna fast. You're going to have, ha- so, like, you're gonna have people, like, banging on, on your door, like, where is it? Give it to me. Where is Half-Life 3? Well, they actually came out with a new, um, Oculus Rift yeah. one, uh, Half-Life Alex, but I haven't. I've heard it's good. One. So, but real, real quickly. Um, so I've loved Blizzard games, uh, Diablo two, Starcraft, and World of Warcraft are all excellent and in my all-time favorites. Um, Minecraft, we've co- talked about a couple of times on the show, um, is really excellent. Um, I'm a huge fan of Satisfactory. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that one's come up as much. Um, it's like a factory building simulator that is a whole lot of fun. And um, I'll I'll let you go, Nathan. So yeah, you you were kind enough to I, buy me a Satisfactory for my birthday, and we've had like forty five minutes to play together so far. So like one of these weeks, we're gonna like throw into it. Um, I liked what it, I have seen so far. Minecraft is hands down like maybe my second favorite video game of all time. Certainly the video game that I pumped the most hours into. Um, and I just sure. keep on, like, maybe I'll fall away from it for six or eight months, but I always seem to come back to it. I've been playing it for, I want to say, six years now. And uh, my favorite video game of all time is uh, the first Red Dead Redemption. It was just an incredibly well-made game, and the ending of it, I, I don't want to say I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but I don't think you can play it anymore, anywhere. So, like, the end of the game, your character dies after you've sunk dozens of hours into this thing. Uh, maybe hunt over 100 hours. And uh, what happens after your character dies is you wake up and your son has grown up and hops on his horse and heads out for revenge. And the last the last uh, level of the game is you going to avenge your father's death. And it is the most oh, wow. satisfying thing I've ever done in a video game. So you mean uh, rootin' tootin' cowboy shootin' yes, too, right? that is that's, that's that is the, the one. The okay. Um but yeah, like I just I have a like my Steam library is currently at eight hundred and fifty six games, um, and a lot of those are I I ah, buy things ah, I buy things in bulk. I never buy anything that isn't on sale or anything like that. But I think something like seventy percent of my library, including Knights of the Old Republic, which is just waiting there for me, is unplayed. 
I have a classic. Play you it. you absolutely play can't it. avoid it. Um, if I can also you give out one it. one real quick shout out, um, Planescape Torment. It's an A D and D game, so it's based on like the old uh, Dungeons and Dragons rules, like from the nineteen seventies. Uh-huh. It's like a very story based game with a lot of dialogue options, and most of the story is not really in like combat. It's in like the exploration of dialogue choices, much like Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, you know, there's a lot of progression that you can do in just unlocking dialogue with characters. That can I just tell you that it is. Weirdly, it is much, 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 much harder for me to be evil towards imaginary characters in a video game than it is to real life people. Well, we got I 10 am seconds. way meaner yeah, in I real need, life. Like, I need like <laughs> I can never do the evil option. I can't do it because I, I feel too bad. It's so I, stupid. I need like Facebook Simulator 2020 where I can just like obliterate <laughs> Time. Uh, conservatives. All right. To kind of piggyback right off of that, my topic, I think, is going to be, um, so recently a new, uh, the, the trailer for the new Dune yeah. uh, got came out, and so I just kind of, I kind of want to talk about um, some of your favorite, some of them, some of your favorite yeah. science fiction. Let's do it. All right, and we're rolling. So I'll go ahead and go right out of the rip. I think everyone knows this about me. I love Star Wars very, very hard. Mm. Sure. So I recently watched the old Dune movie. There's apparently a TV series, there uh, a made-for-TV oh. TV series. There is a movie, and there's yeah, obviously the new movie and the novel series. The movie starred Kyle MacLachlan. It was directed by David Lynch. Uh, and so I reviewed this movie recently, and I have to say it's a little disappointing. I love... It is the worst movie ever made. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> it is pretty not bad. But the, the cast is stellar. It's got... Those worms, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, it's got... I'm sorry. Uh, Captain Picard. Patrick Stewart. Oh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart in it. It's got Sting. It's just got, like, this oh, yeah. phenomenal cast. And I feel like the story was pretty solid. I had some criticisms, I guess, with the overall arc of the story. But it was... It was okay. The visual effects for the time were phenomenal because it was made in 1984. But the the plot was just kind of like... Ugh. So I guess my criticisms well, with the plot are that like the, char- the main character, so Paul Atreides, is not a necessarily a likable guy. He just sort of like starts off, he's great at everything that he ever tries... And they make him into this messiah character, and the most struggle that he goes through in the whole story is sticking his hand in a box where he hurts. They don't make him into a messiah. He is the Moadi. Sure, sure, but he which fucking spell that if you can. He doesn't. <laughs> it, it feels like he doesn't earn anything along the way, and they have to move. Oh yeah. The 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 runtime is three hours, but it's so compact in those three hours. <laughs> But it yeah. feels like it it's really feels like if you've doing, read the book, yeah, they're doing a speed tour through the Dune universe where they're like, oh, here's this thing, oh, here's this thing, oh, here's a child, and she's gonna oh grow up to two God. years old, like instantaneously, just in a montage, and we're like, we're just gonna very briefly like visit these concepts, but we're not going to explore any sort of character development mm-hmm. at all because we're moving so quickly through <laughs> right. this massive, yeah. expansive world. For what it's worth, the miniseries was way, 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 way better. Sure. Fair enough. Okay, well, I'll have to check um, that one do we, out. Ju- do we just want to go yeah. keep on I'm doing a, one uh, each oh. and go go Ron Robin until we run out of time? Yeah, uh, I love so, it. So, I mean, 
The Do the it. one that I think that affected me most, and I think I still go back to every few years, is uh, Next Generation. Um, sure, uh, mm. DS9 is fine, but uh, Next Generation is, is far superior. See, I'm just I'm finishing DS9 right now, and TNG is phenomenal and with an outstanding cast and and never ever disparage it but dude cisco is a way is the greatest captain yeah. in star trek oh i and i don't even disagree with that i love i love cisco but here's the thing still like my least favorite of the three here's here's my hot take i like voyager better than i like ds9 voyager I, I haven't gotten to yet, but I don't really see why you wouldn't. It, I d- it's like, also great. So part part of my beef with I'm DS9 sure. is I like I like travel. I I like when they go to different spots, and I did always like DS9 in that you get way more variety of aliens and uh, like practical effects in every single episode, and they always kept it interesting. And I've like here's the thing: I I'm beefing on DS9, but I've seen it four times. You know, it's not like I'm not watching yeah. it. And they travel they travel a ton. There's the like what is it, three or four seasons of yeah. the war. So I don't know a ton about TNG, but I will say my favorite aspect of TNG is the uh culture of the Ferengi yeah. and the laws of acquisition. <laughs> yeah. Because that stuff is like super interesting to me. And they're like terrible people. One <laughs> they have these really interesting laws of acquisition that make for a pretty entertaining read. And then you want to spend time with DS9 and Quark. Um because they delve yes. into the Ferengi like crazy in that series. Although can I say that Nod yes. and and um, Rom are like two of the worst <laughs> no. characters in all what? of television. No, that well, all right. Nog Nog gets way, yeah. way, way better. Rom doesn't. Rom no, is is just the guy the entire <laughs> fucking seven years. Anyway, Quick, takes on the new uh, the new J.J. Abrams movies. Anyway, just real quick, the Star Wars no, ones. The uh, no, the the oh the Star, Star Trek, Trek ones. ones. Yeah, I think they were fucking banging. Yeah, I thought they were but great. But they they didn't they didn't scratch my itch. I don't go uh, to Star Trek for the same uh, thing I go to Star Wars for. And what they did was they turned Star Trek into Star Wars. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't, Star Trek isn't supposed to be very, so much action. Yeah. So there's a sci-fi uh, novel series called the Lazarus Long series that's by Robert Heinlein that I am a huge mm. fan of. Um, also, like you know, Philip K. Dick. Isaac Asimov. And I do, and it does remind me, I do want to mention yeah. that Stranger in a Strange Land might be one of my favorite pieces of any, like, any book, any series, anything like that. Oh, yeah. The book is fantastic. That's a good one. Do you want to do another one? I assume we're running out of time. <laughs> I do. We have 45 seconds. I'm going to shout out Doc... Okay, I'm going to shout out Doctor yeah. Who, but I want to talk more about Ender's Game. Have you ever read Ender's no, Game? I, not. I have not. Don't. It got spoiled for me, and I didn't bother to read it. Oh. But I should. I that should come sucks. back. But yeah, my it's so my good. high school friend is a huge is a huge jerk, and decided like he had read this book, and he was just going to tell me the ending of this book. <laughs> God, my my that friends sucks. from high school are complete assholes. The um the the book seconds. was fucking awesome. The movie. I feel like they sped through the part that was supposed to be prolonged. That was like the whole point was that this was all yeah. drawn out to sucker punch you. Time. And they just sped through right. what was supposed to be drawn out. That was good. Sorry. My favorite, was good. I have to say, I know cool. well, I know this won't go in the episode, but I do have to say my 
favorite sci-fi piece of all time was Precious Moments. Precious Moments. There I you was go. wondering if you were going to do that or actually say something. <laughs> yeah. Got anyway. Him. No, I mean, like, actually say something about a, a sci-fi. Nah, I just nah. didn't want to finish nah, the sentence. Nah, nah, nah. nah. Um, so real quick, I, I have one that I posted in the Discord. Um, so it's, hold up, wait a minute. It's a news interview that's turned into song. Um, it's just like a real quick meme. I think the whole video is not even five minutes. But it's a this news interview. Um, this guy's house was broken into. And so the news came and interviewed him about his house being broken into and this guy's story is just freaking wild. So he heard this guy break into his house and he went upstairs and was in the closet. And, uh, like as he heard, he, he apparently smelled and or tasted the guy coming into his house, which is also weird, but, uh, walking up the stairs, Walking up the stairs, they had a lot of rhythm, and so the antics of this interview, the guy explains that he almost went to beatboxing because of the rhythm of the guy going up his stairs, and then, uh, so somebody took all of that interview and cut it up and turned it into, like, a digital song, and it's just delightful, and I can't, I can't do it justice as much as uh, our link in the doobly-doo. <laughs> I will make sure. Check out. It's actually a dope song. I ended up watching the video that you sent, and they spliced it yeah. into, like, the guy is talented. He just doesn't know it. So somebody, like, spliced <laughs> all his talent into one song, and it's pretty fantastic. I... I was tapping and, my toes. And his reason for not beatboxing in the closet, the only reason that he didn't beatbox in the closet was because he couldn't die because he had court tomorrow. <laughs> no. <And> that just really... <laughs> that really capped off the interview to me. That was kind of the main thrust of the whole thing for me. But yeah, it's a delightful video. Check it out. Because I heard him first. I said, hold on. I said, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. And then I start to smell them. So it's like a smell like taste like I was like, I ran upstairs. I had to run. I had to get up the stairs. So he had so much rhythm when he was walking upstairs that doom, doom, doom. I started to almost beatbox up in the closet. Oh boom boom boom. Awesome. Do you wanna go next? Should we Rochambeau for it? Uh do you have yours? Yeah, I can do it. I uh, I was like scrambling around while Pat was talking like, what am I going to talk about? But I have actually been revisiting a series of movies that I quite enjoyed as a child. They are problematic for just so many different reasons, depending on which one you're talking about. But I've been re-watching a bunch of old 007 uh, James Bond movies. Oh, and sure. Love that I really like, like, even when they're goofy, even when they're, like, make no sense. Like, they are, like, <laughs> the character is terrible. He's not a good guy <laughs> in any way. <laughs> but he, like, he keeps on, like, coming back. I mean, really, if dead honest, the, the reason why they're so good, I ended up watching a bunch of the newer ones, and newer in quotes, because Daniel Craig's been doing it for what, a 10 years or more now? I watched a bunch of those because yeah. they have a very different feel than the older ones do. And then I went back and I've been watching some Pierce Brosnan ones. And mwah, 
Oh, those is also not good. But <laughs> like, so there's a varying there's a varying <laughs> level of camp that yes. has gone up and down, and I think it's the lowest that it's ever been with the Daniel Craig ones. Yes. But there, there's a a level of like suspension of disbelief that you take into things like you know like Moonraker or Roger like, uh, Moore. Live and Let Die. Roger Dr. Moore's no. Bond was like a cartoon character. It was amazing. Like I and I loved it. Like I loved the, well, each of the different series series for different reasons. But especially the new ones, the Brosnan ones and the Daniel Craig ones. The action scenes in these are phenomenal. They're so well choreographed. Right. I can't mm-hmm. get over myself. Like when I'm watching them, I'm like, oh, what what just happened? How do you do that? Like the stuntmen, like I'd like to learn more about stuntmen and who these uh, people are who are doing this stuff because it's phenomenal. I I always love yeah. Jackie Chan movies for the same reason that like it's a it's a big dance. They're fighting. But really what they're doing is they're dancing. He would like walk around with a group of guys and they would just get into like fights like like stage fights and figure out choreography like on the fly when he was like having his lunch or something like that. I appreciate the like the choreography and stuff for that, but for me like fight scenes, chase scenes, that's when I usually get up to go to the bathroom or get a new drink. <laughs> and you shouldn't be oh. in these movies in the first place. <laughs> it's I, like it's just it's just it's, boring. It's boring. It's stupid. It's dumb. I don't care because it's all fake anyway. Right. It's it's stunt right. doubles and like, CGI and shit. I don't give a shit. I want to see some actual fucking yeah, acting. That is acting. So I saw I saw all of them when I was like way younger. So I'm through the lens of like you know like a 14 year old right. watching all of the old Bond movies. So I remember them very fondly. But like I I never got sick of the action sequence. I, I it's still I love one of my no favorite I love them and I think movies. I think there's an artistry to like the same way if you're watching a, again a dance film or something like that like there's an artistry to the work that these people do that is phenomenal to me and I like like if it's not your cup of tea that's fine but you you have to understand that like <laughs> at least acknowledge that you're the odd man out here well I like I said. Right out of the gates. I appreciate the whatever work that they put in. Sure. I just don't care. I mean, like, I, that doesn't... Pewter tricks, spe- stunt double, stunt doubles who specifically, like, that's their entire mm-hmm. fucking job is to, to do cool yeah. choreography. That's great, but I want... When, when, when I watch a movie, I want to see actors transform. I want to see them... I want to see characters be clever and creative and sly and I don't, I just, anybody can punch their way out of something. I don't, uh, Captain America is a boring ass superhero. Sure. He's my least favorite superhero. Because, and that, that's how I feel about action movies. Like it's okay. Good guy is going to punch a while and then win. Uh, what do you can do? If you want to see the best uh, punch for a while movie and I, then I win, don't like that. <laughs> I, in my opinion, has ever existed. I love Equilibrium. You know, I never saw Christian that. Bale. It's it's kind it's loose it's loosely based on Fahrenheit 451, but the plot really doesn't matter, and it's just kind of a great. Action yeah, but like I just well, I understand that people like those movies. I do <laughs> not. Oh, no, I was just, <laughs> I was uh, just gonna bring in, like, bring up more like terrible movies like this. So there's a Paul Giamatti movie with Clive mm-hmm. Owen, shoot, nope, oh no, it's not shootout, shoot and it is, oh, you would, 
you would hate Shoot it. Him. I would oh, love God. love to do a live action watch of that movie with you, Andy, and have you watch every glorious second of it. I, I like action movies, and that one was hard to stomach. Oh, wow. Don't get mad at me if I fall asleep. No, I would get mad at you. We, we'll we do it. Like If, <laughs> if people start subscribing to our uh, Patreon at some point, we'll go ahead and do that as one of our extra. <laughs> we'll, we'll live stream right. Facebook Live. Um, hey, so to bring it kind of back to the to to double seven uh, to to my point, I'm a big fan of the um, Sean Connery. Yeah, the original, sure. the the Doctor No. That's the uh, you know, or like um, if not just for the accent. You're right. It was more. It was more acting yeah. at, at that point, but. It wasn't all good acting. Some of it was phenomenally bad, but not on the part of Connery. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to um, raise the limit? I have no objections. I um I, I do love a good campy movie. We had just talked a minute ago about how much I love sure. Star Wars, but uh, yeah, I just don't I don't like a movie that I don't like it when movies like rely on well, that. You gotta have something sure. else to offer because anybody can sit at a computer and program some explosions and yeah, a couple absolutely. jump scenes um, or some shit. So you've described to us what you don't like. Can you tell us what you do like in the form of a precious moment? I can. But I'm going to start with something else that I don't like, which is popular music. <laughs> Not a big fan of popular music in general. There's an, an artist out there. Um, Carly Rae Jepsen. Cardib? Car- Carly Rae Jepsen? Cardi B, yes. Car- Cardi B. Cardib. Car- Did you just call her Cardib? Cardib. Cardib. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm being yeah, a dull, um because I don't respect what she does. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do sort of respect that she does it, but I don't like what she does. Anyway, I don't like her music, but I do like it when it's sung by Gilbert Gottfried. Mm. So you're, you've heard the new song WAP, Wet Ass uh, Well, apparently someone... You mean the Ben Shapiro song? No, no. Hadn't come across my radar. Yes, the Ben Shapiro song. No. I, all right, so there are two things from this song that, that are actually good. So out of that pile of dung came two awesome trees of, of comic gold. One is all of the Ben Shapiro memes because apparently his wife, I guess, kind of felt bad for him and told him that these are not supposed to be wet. They're supposed to be dry. and Just a serious pH imbalance. So I asked my wife for a differential diagnosis for the sake of these ladies in case they need to go to the doctor. I mean, like this... This is a problem. I mean, like, if if this is real, like, there's water pouring out the front doors of this place, and that ain't water, guys. I mean, that's that's what I'm being told. That ain't water. So the medical diagnosis here here was her differential. Her differential diagnosis, my wife, the doctor, was either these women are suffering from bacterial vaginosis or a yeast infection, or my wife suggested most probably they are suffering from trichomonas. So, just a bit of medical advice. <laughs> Am I the only one who feels wildly uncomfortable when Andy says the word over and over again? What? I don't know what to tell you. What? Wait, how the fuck did this story come out? Like, who is reporting on this story? Yeah. 
So Cardi B puts out this song and Ben Shapiro reacts to it because Ben Shapiro is a human turd. And and says that they're his, not supposed to be wet. No, he just he's going on about how that's no, like his, so inappropriate. He's a medical and professional and according to him yeah. and she told him that that was the result of I think it was a yeast infection and that uh they're supposed to be dry and then the internet just went <laughs> went after him. Oh, went uh, crazy. Uh, went crazy wow. and oh, it's just been phenomenal. It's so wildly like <laughs> it's it's very raunchy. It is definitely like you, I don't want my mother to go look up these memes. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried. But so then the it. other thing that came out of this song by Cardi B is uh someone hired Gilbert Gottfried to basically just scream the lyrics into a microphone. And we'll put a link mm. to this in the doobly too. Uh, but I, I have not yet been able to get more than like 30 seconds into it without having to pause it because I am uh, laughing too I hard. haven't been able to get more than 30 seconds into it because <laughs> I am so turned on. Wow. Yeah, 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 you f- with some weight. Bring a bucket and a mop for this weight. Give me everything you got for this wedding. Beat it up, catch a charge, extra large and extra hard. Put this right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about Gilbert Gottfried, but. I, I, he, I mean, any all of these actors who have those those unique voices. Wallace Shawn right. is another one. Uh, I, I just, there, I love him to death. I don't know what, I don't know why I like him so much. I don't know uh, why Bob it appeals Cat to me. Is another one that really? Yes, yes. I forgot about him. He's, he's been, been out of the he's out of the public eye for a while, but he like he was always interesting. So I feel like this is kind of a spinoff of uh, Gilbert Gottfried reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey from a few years ago. Uh, I don't recall that. Uh, we'll check that one out too. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, so yeah, awesome. that's what I got. Well, uh, the the one thing I always liked about uh, Gilbert Gottfried is that he, just like me, uh, doesn't have a catchphrase. That doesn't really work. Anyway. I need to come up with a catchphrase. Uh, hopefully we give you something to think about this week. Alright, love you, bye. Bye! No, I think that counts. I think that works. What? The, uh, Gilbert Godfrey not having a catchphrase. Oh. I think that was good. I personally wouldn't have a problem if any of that made it into, like, the stinger or something. Are we doing two hours of stinger? Yeah. The the stinger is going to be, like, 20 minutes long, and it's going to just, like, have all the extra parts in it.